We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. training camp brings a, a, a ton of nuggets, you know, injuries, um, role changes, things like that. And, and we're getting the usual flood of tweets, but you know, for the most part, there hasn't been a, a ton of big news. Like a lot of the big items that we're tracking, um, you know, the vaccine has certainly taken center stage and we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's been such a dominant narrative. Um, there, there haven't been a lot of other, you know, big time surprise stories or anything that we're tracking. And, and obviously the Ben Simmons saga has been going on for a while. A lot of the news around Zion Williamson and the Pelicans has been going on for a while. You know, the, the hoopla surrounding the Lakers dates all the way back to the draft. Uh, so a lot of these things, it, it kind of feels like we've, we've beaten to death already. But I, I do want to revisit uh, Ben Simmons. You know, we, we talked about that at length on the podcast last week, but it now seems like there was a legitimate effort made by Doc Rivers, uh, Joel Embiid, you know, possibly other key members of the Sixers to get Ben Simmons into camp uh, with this team. And, you know, we had heard rumblings of this, you know, some of the quotes from Doc and from Embiid over the summer, you know, but to me, I always just thought like, oh, they're just saying the right thing. You know, they're not going to say we don't want this guy back. Like, I mean, it sounds like they tried to take a plane to LA to meet with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons said no. Um, and, and if you read that article, I, I forget where that was even published, but, um, you know, Simmons never really gave a, a concrete reason for, for why necessarily. It, it seems like a, a number of factors at play, um, but I'm, I'm now convinced that this saga might wear on a little bit longer than I expected. You know, we, we've kind of seen both sides pour gasoline on the fire, mostly Simmons side, trying to expedite the process. And it doesn't really seem like there's a, a legitimate deal on the table that the Sixers feel good about. And with like half the league not being able to be traded until December 15th, I now would not be that shocked if we see Simmons, you know, sit out essentially the first two months of the season. Yeah, I mean, to me, that is almost my expectation at this point. I mean, I think there are, like you mentioned, offers that teams kind of have locked and loaded for when that that deadline passes and when certain guys can actually be traded. But at the same time, like, I don't know, we, we've talked so much about Ben Simmons' trade value. It's a complete mystery, I think, for a lot of different reasons, how valuable Simmons could actually be um, in a different environment. And if he does, you know, in fact, hold out, um, I don't know if that inherently, uh, hurts or hurts his trade value. Uh, it definitely obviously hurts the Sixers. You know, you kind of have to adjust what to expect from them from a, from a win loss perspective, um, from a fantasy perspective, all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's getting to the point certainly that, you know, not only does it affect the Sixers, um, it, it greatly affects Ben Simmons fantasy value. You know, we, 
I forget what we have him projected for in terms of games played right now. I'll, I'll look that up as we speak. But, you know, I mean, we, we try not to be too aggressive or too conservative in either direction. But, you know, we're not going to necessarily project him to sit out the first two months of the season. We have met 70 games right now, which I will say it seems a little high. We're probably going to have to knock that down uh, in the very near future. But I, I just I just really can't believe it's gotten to this point. And, you know, unless you're trading him to a team you know, like a, like a Sacramento or, or even a Minnesota. Um, and those two teams have been very much in the mix and, and are probably the front runners right now. But, you know, you would, you would think both of those teams would want to get Ben Simmons in camp as soon as possible. You know, if you're, if you're essentially restructuring your team around this guy, which is essentially what it sounds like Ben Simmons is looking for. And that's been the messaging from club sports. You would not really want to wait on that. That's not something you want to do mid season, uh, which leads me to believe that maybe Philly's not all that interested in what those two teams are offering I mean, is there any other team, you know, that we haven't really dug into that that would make some sense, you know, that comes to mind or or a one for one swap or, you know, a package type of deal that you've thought about that would make sense for Simmons? Well, I will say, first of all, we do have Simmons projected for 70 games and we have him ranked 62nd in our mm-hmm. rankings. However, he's being drafted before that on both ESPN and Yahoo um, on Yahoo. He's being drafted in the 50s and on ESPN, he's being drafted in the 40s. So while we might be a little aggressive in terms of uh, optimism and his games played, people who are playing, who are actually in drafts right now, aren't really being scared off. Um, So that's something to consider. As far as, you know, other teams that could be interested in Ben Simmons, I think, I mean, any team that has a legitimate, you know, kind of stretch five um, in the building, like definitely you know, is on the table. Um, you know, I've talked about Indiana before. Um, I don't know. Like it's, it's tough. Like, I think there is a different universe, you know, for Cleveland in which they didn't have Jared Allen, that it would make more sense for him to land on Cleveland, um, with like Mobley as a stretch five and they got marketing as a, as a small ball five and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Chicago with Vucevic, but again, they have Zach Levine, that whole situation. Um, it's 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 really tough, but I think I think the center thing has to be a factor. And, you know, you could try a three team trade where somehow you end up with a with a stretch five or maybe you just go completely small and try to play like a, a bigger four at the five or something like that. But um, I don't think if you I just don't think if you're an organization with like, for example, the Kings, if Rashawn Holmes is your center, I just don't know. You know, if you're like, well, let's acquire Ben Simmons. It's like, what is that really? That situation is not any different than mm-hmm. the Philly situation he's currently in that doesn't function that well. Because Embiid himself even shoots some threes. That's obviously not where you want him necessarily, but he's out there taking a, you know, three, four a game. Right. And he's he's taking more than he wants to. You know, he's been open about like, I'd, I'd rather, you know, live in the mid range. I'd rather live near the basket. But I he, he's said without saying over the years, like, I do this because we have this other guy who can't shoot threes on our team. You know, like I, I don't really blame Embiid for this at all. I mean, he's the better player. Obviously you're going to build the franchise around him. And you know, you, if you're Simmons, you can say it's not an ideal fit, but it's not a bad fit, right? Like it, it would be significantly worse if he's playing with a center who can't shoot threes at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're like a, they're not, yeah, they're not an awful fit, especially because, you know, Embiid is so good defensively. Um, Like the right. 76ers just by default are going to be like a top five defensive team. Um, at, you know, at least like in the playoffs when it counts and like they're playing those guys 40 minutes a, a game each. So, you know, I know the offensive fit isn't perfect, but there are, there are just as many teams in which Ben Simmons is actually a worse fit, you know, with a center that shoots even fewer threes and is less, you know, has less gravity, you know, because even when Embiid isn't shooting threes, if Embiid is like, uh, picking and popping at like 16 feet, or he's just standing in the dunker spot, he has more gravity in the dunker spot than like almost any other center in the league. Just because you know when he gets the ball there, it's going to be he's going to complete the dunk or get fouled. So, um, you know, even a bad center that can barely shoot threes isn't going to affect the game like that. So, um, you know, I I've been someone who I've I've I'm pretty supportive of Ben Simmons in general. Like I, as a player, I'll, I'll say like I think he's really really good. I think he has the potential to be a top twenty player in the NBA. Maybe he is right now if he gets in a good situation. It's just, you know, it's it's tough when you're when your player type is so specific that, you know, it's just, it's hard. You have to basically have a team built for you. 
you have to have a team built for you and you also are yet to display that you're you know quite talented enough to warrant that right you know like right. He, I, I i'm with you i, th- I think there's a, a world in which ben simmons is eventually a top 10 player in the nba I, I think two or three years ago if someone had told you hey by 2022 ben simmons will be you know one of the faces of the league that was one of the quotes in the, the kevin o'connor article on the ringer yesterday about this situation that you know someone granted it was someone from clutch sports so a, a biased opinion you know saying you know ben simmons is going to be the face of the league that wasn't a crazy thing to say all that long ago and, and even after all that's happened it's still not that crazy like there's not there's not a single person you know even if you're the biggest ben simmons hater in philadelphia um you know a few months ago everybody in philly still was on team ben simmons you know it was kind of the last straw in that atlanta series but nobody is looking at simmons and saying like this guy has no talent um, you know, I, I think there are maybe questions about the work ethic and, and where his head is at as far as improving his game. But in terms of physical talent, there, there are a few guys in the league that you would put ahead of Simmons. But, but like you said, I don't think the Sixers put a bad team around him whatsoever. I mean, I, I think, yeah, you can, you can say, and, and KOC hinted at this in the article, like, yeah, playing with Carl Towns in Minnesota would make a ton of sense. I think the phrasing he used is that, you know, you don't have him clogging up the lane or clogging up driving lanes. But I mean, what, what does that imply? That that cat is just going to sit outside the entire time? Like anytime Simmons has the ball, everybody just has to clear out. I, like there's no there's no situation in the league that that's going to be the case. Like I don't think any team is going to be willing to buy in to that degree where you're you're building the entire roster around this guy. No, it's um you have to get a little creative on offense, but I think you know you just want the most. You just want a center that can score from anywhere on the court to at least make the defense think, you know, and the defense does have to think with Embiid to some extent, but they never really have to wonder like, oh, should we, should we go over? Should we switch? Like they're pretty much just going to go under on everything. Um, So I think the idea is you at least want to make the defense make decisions. And um, yeah, I mean, again, like Ben Simmons two years ago, you know, 2019, 20, he was on the all NBA team. He's a two-time defensive uh, All-NBA guy. He, I think, was was he runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year last year. He led the league in steals two years ago. Like, yep. he already has, you know, he's 25. He's a little older for, like, a, a fifth-year guy uh, just because he missed his whole rookie year. But, like, he has plenty of accolades. Like, that's not really the issue. Um, so, right. I'm not sure. I, I that- it's That is a good point. You know, it's like, is is he concerned about his stat line? Because I don't see it. You know, if you don't have a jump shot, you can't, he's not going to average 30 points, right? I mean, I don't think he's quite as physically dominant as like a Zion. You could kind of get away with that, um, you know, which, which more so speaks to just how ridiculous Zion is at that size. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I get like the Sixers were the best team in the Eastern Conference last year in the regular season. Like, it, it's not like he's been toiling away on a team that's just scraping by to, to get the seven seed every year. You know, like it, it's obviously, again, it's not the perfect fit, but I, I think the chances, you know, it's, it's the debate that we have over like firing a coach, like firing a, a longtime veteran coach every time we talk about it is like, could you do better? Yes, in theory, but probably not. Could you do worse? Definitely. And I, I feel like there's a this is kind of a similar situation where like, yes, there's a chance that if everything is built perfectly around him, he could you know be a top 10 to 15 player in the league. But there's also a chance that he had a pretty good situation. Now he's asking out of it. And he's going to find, you know, an equally difficult or even more difficult situation wherever he ultimately ends up. Yeah, I mean, this this to me is, I mean, it's, I think, by far the most interesting thing that's going on this offseason. It's been one of the yes. more interesting storylines, um, you know, of maybe the last, you know, uh, 365 days in general. Like, it's um, because he... I, the, again, we the 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 simple fact that we are talking about him that much means he is that talented, right? Like yes. everyone is clearly acknowledging that he has the potential to swing a team's chances, or he has the potential to be a perennial All NBA player. Like if if people didn't think that, we wouldn't be talking about him. Like I know it's a big market. Like Philly's a pretty big market. They've been good, but you know it's not like he's just some. It's not like he's just some like generic point guard who's like a bad fit. He's, mm-hmm. you know, people clearly believe in him. What did you think? I, I don't even know if, if you saw this. I, I think rumblings would be generous. But but last week, uh, that that Sam Amico from like hoopswire.com, um, I, you know, one of those guys that you're like, he has a bunch of followers. I, I don't know if this guy's reputable whatsoever. I, I lean toward no. But um, he, he was, quote unquote, reporting uh, that the Nuggets were a, a sleeper in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes. 
And, yeah. you know, shortly, shortly thereafter, they go and sign Michael Porter to to a max <laughs> extension. And, and you would you would think essentially put that to bed. But I like the more I thought about it, like I, I wouldn't hate the idea of a of a Simmons Michael Porter swap, essentially, if that's I assume that's what the deal would have to be, unless it's Jamal Murray. Um, you know, obviously, Simmons alongside Nikola Jokic is somewhat redundant just because of how good of a passer Jokic is, you know, that's, that's the, the big advantage he would have over Embiid, you know, in terms of three point shooters, they're fairly comparable. Jokic can shoot it better, but also doesn't shoot a ton. Um, like to me, that would be kind of a, a one for one swap for Simmons, but not like a dramatically better situation. But um, I don't know, like I, before they signed the Porter extension, you know, my thinking is, all right, this guy, there, there's still some, you know, I, I guess actual rumblings as far as like Michael Porter Jr. Like what kind of guy this guy is. Two, you know, there's still going to be the back issues. I think that kind of haunt him throughout his career. We'll see, you know, how much it ultimately affects him versus how much of a concern it is. But, you know, if you're Denver and, and maybe you know more about his medicals than other teams do, like, I don't I don't think it would have been like completely insane for the Nuggets to to consider a Porter Jr. Simmons trade or, or something built around that framework. Maybe Sam Amico listened to last week's Friday podcast because I actually brought this idea up with Ken oh, really? and Shannon last week. I did. Um yeah, I, I presented it as in another world, in the in a sort of alternate universe, a Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons swap. Like mm-hmm. if Jamal Murray wasn't as good as he is, or he wasn't like as as established as like a great pairing with Jokic, I think that sort of deal would have made sense. But as it stands right now, yeah, it is tougher. I, I do, you know, in theory, you know, it's like maybe you send uh, it's like, oh, we're going to send, you know, Monte Morris, you know, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., whatever, yep. uh, for Ben Simmons. Um, cause I, I, I do love the idea of Ben Simmons in, in Denver, him and Jokic. I mean, that would be one of the best passing teams ever assembled. Yep. Um, I think he's a, he's a pretty good fit in general just because of that. I mean, you can imagine, um, you know, the pick and pops, the, you know, them punishing guys for switching, Simmons cognitive, the you know, uh, Jokic hitting Simmons on back cuts and then Simmons, you know, behind the back pass, like cross court to somebody for three, like it, it would be incredible, but I just don't think the, the logistics are there. And then at the same time, if you are Philly, you have to be like, okay, so we're now, our future is essentially now attached to Ben's or, uh, Joel Embiid who can't play more than 65 games and Michael Porter jr. Who has one of the worst medicals in NBA history. Mm-hmm. So you have to just, if you're Philly, you're like, can we, can we really tie our future to this? I mean, in a situation where we're, we're actually lucky if our two best players play a combined 130 games. I right. just don't know if you can do that. Yeah. And I, I think the Simmons Jokic fit is like, in theory is good, but I, I also think like you, do you, do you really want somebody like that who takes the ball out of Jokic's hands? You know, like Jamal Murray takes it out of his hands to some degree, but a lot of it is Jokic, you know, like you can, you can flare Jamal Murray to the opposite side and Jokic is going to, you know, sling a pass across the court for a wide open three. Like that's not an option with Simmons. Like when he's out there, he basically has to have the ball in his hands. And it's not like you can run, you can't have Simmons like screening for Jokic. Um, so like in theory, like I love the idea of like two otherworldly passers. And then, you know, maybe if you're trading Murray in theory, you'd still have Michael Porter, you know, as the, as this kind of catch and shoot guy on the wing, like that makes a lot of sense, but I just think when you have a player as good as Jokic, you know, it's like combining Westbrook with LeBron. It's like, at the end of the day, you have the best decision maker in the league. Like, do you really want to bring in someone who's going to take away from that guy's touches? Yeah, I, I disagree just a little bit in terms of, I don't think, I don't think Simmons would have to have the ball in his hands as much if Jokic is out there because Jokic spaces the floor. Like you are kind of allowed to have one non-shooting guy out there. Um, And he'd still be able to set, picks I think for Jokic I mean because one thing that's been talked about um or was talked about with Giannis who obviously can't shoot um was him sagging screens for other players because his defender sags off of him or I should say a dribble handoff screen right you sag a dribble handoff screen and your defender is so far in the paint that if your screen lands the guy you hand the ball to just has an open three and I I think that's kind of the theory with Simmons in a uh, in an offense where there's a floor spacing five um, so I might be a little higher on that fit than you, but I, at the same time, I think I, if you're the nuggets, you just can't, you can't give up Jamal Murray for him. Like, I don't care if he's the better player. I don't care if it gives you more upside. I think 
organizationally, Jamal Murray at this point already means too much to the Nuggets to give up for Ben Simmons. And, you know, I for this season, it'd be great, right? Because Jamal Murray might not play for much of it. You get a full season of Ben Simmons, but I don't know, man. I just I don't think you can do that if you're the Nuggets. No, I, I don't think so either. And ultimately, I, I don't think this is or ever really was all that realistic of a proposition. But I mean, the last thing I'll say on that, I mean, from a Sixers perspective, if you're trading for Jamal Murray, you're essentially punting on this season, right? I mean, you're, you could still be competitive with a team built around Embiid, but if the return that you're getting or, you know, your, your second most impactful player in Simmons is a guy who might not play at all during the regular season, you know, I don't, I don't think it's realistic to expect him to come back, you know, join a new team, on the fly and then, you know, expect right. him to just be himself in the playoffs. So yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think either team, um, you know, necessarily would love that deal. There, there's a, a new set of odds up at, at the DK Sportsbook. You can now bet on over-unders for seeding. Uh, so Philadelphia's wow. number, for example, is over-under three and a half. So third and a half seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this one shaded surprisingly pretty heavily toward the over minus 120 to over three and a half uh, plus 100 to under three and a half um oh maybe i'm reading that backwards over three and a half must mean three and a half or lower yes yeah yeah okay um so that's not surprising at all then how would you go on that three and a half for the sixers in the east um that is really tough Uh, i think i I would i think i would go lower I think I would I would go lower as well. I think I would technically I'd take the over, however you want to phrase that. I'm I'm pretty much on the I, w- I would the same thing when when their win total comes up. I would take the under, partially because of the Ben Simmons situation. Obviously that plays a huge factor in it, but also mm-hmm. you you're compounding the Ben Simmons factor with the Joel Embiid health concerns, and I think it's just it's a tough team. Um, you know, there's going to be a point in the season where. And beads are going to be sitting out a game and you're going to see like the starting lineup that Tobias Harris is the best player in the starting lineup. And it's going to be like yep. shake Milton and Andre Drummond pick and rolls. And you're going to be like, what, like, what am I watching? Yeah. Um, and there, there's, like, a, there's a path this season to, to Embiid, like just not being all that healthy and this team taking like a major setback. I agree. And part of, part of that too, is that I'm a, I, you know, I'm a relative believer in a lot of other teams in the East. Um, you know, like I love the, I love the Hawks a lot. I I cannot stress how good I think they are. Um, the Knicks are going to be good again. You know, the Heat have room to step forward. The Celtics have room to step yeah. forward. Pacers, obviously, like there are just a lot of uh, teams that the 76ers will be going up against. Where if they don't have Ben Simmons, um, at coin toss probably not, but um, they won't be favored by a lot. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. All right, man. Reluctantly, we have to talk about the vaccine because this this is going to be a, a much bigger story, honestly, than I thought it would be like two weeks ago. And, you know, we started to hear the Kyrie rumblings and now, you know, Brad Beal is in on this and Jonathan Isaac and Michael Porter. And it, 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 hopefully, you know, we're not losing games and, you know, we're, we're not getting postponements and cancellations like last year, which was, I mean, for, for our job specifically, like a complete nightmare for the first couple months of the season. And it, it got gradually better as things went on and, and it ended up being mostly fine. But, you know, I think we're going to be out of the woods in that regard. I do not think we're going to be out of the woods as far as 
talk about the the virus, you know, players missing games potentially because they are not complying with local regulations. I, I still think we're going to have guys who you know are quarantined uh, due to exposure, um, breakthrough cases, things of that nature. But I, I mean, this is going to, as of now, like heavily impact fantasy basketball. I mean, most of our drafts, luckily, are you know we usually save them until that final week. But like if you're if you're drafting tonight, I have no idea what I would do with Kyrie Irving. I, I don't think I would touch him. But at some point, you know, if he's still sitting there and it's the 60th pick, you know, at some point you have to consider it. I mean, same goes for Wiggins, same goes for Isaac, um, all these guys who were kind of wrapped up in this. I don't really want to speak on like the political aspects of it. I mean, obviously it's it's personally for me disappointing on a number of fronts. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you do have to respect individual choice to some degree. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know where we're heading as far as like the Kyrie face off with the city of New York slash the Nets organization I, I think is the most interesting to me. I mean, Wiggins is essentially in the same spot, but he's just not as good of a player as Kyrie, so it's not as impactful. But I mean, given given everything we know about Kyrie Irving, I I would not be surprised if this goes in any direction. I could see him, you know, getting the vaccine, showing up tomorrow and saying, hey, I got it. I'm not happy about it, but I got it. I could see us fast forwarding to the all-star break and he's played in like 15 games. Yeah, I, I'm, in a, I'm in that Raz Jam draft and I... I can't remember. I honestly can't remember if I took Wiggins before or after the news and I just forgot, but I drafted him in like the the eighth round and like not thinking about it. And I, I posted that on Twitter, not specifically Wiggins, but just my first 12 picks. And I got like yeah. two or three people responding to me on Twitter. Like, like really Wiggins in the eighth round, given the vaccine news. So like people, people very much care um, about, about this when it comes to fantasy uh, I wish I had a good answer. Um, this feels uh, it, in a very different way. This feels similar to like the Ben Simmons question about where do you draft him? Yeah. Um, I just, I really don't know. I mean, for Kyrie, for me, it's a little easier because I'm not a person who drafts Kyrie Irving anyway, usually because I'm worried about his missed games. Um, my general opinion on like risky guys for any reason is pretty much after the sixth round, anything goes like, I can't really blame you for taking anybody. So if you draft Kyrie in the sixth, not really going to look sideways at you. You draft Jonathan Isaac in the sixth or seventh round, not really going to look at you sideways about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, when they're, when their upside is as high as Kyrie, obviously that, you know, that, that makes some waves. I, I really just don't know, man. Like, Maybe just avoid those guys entirely. I don't know. Is there going to be someone in every league who just grabs all of those guys and hopes for the best, <laughs> like late? Like I, yeah, I really you're, either going to either going to win the league by a mile or lose it by a mile. It's just mid-maxing. You're like, well, hey, if they all get it, I'm going to win my league, no yeah. question. I, so I'm with you on Kyrie, the injury stuff. I mean, I don't think I've ever rostered Kyrie on any of my teams, at least within the last two or three years. Like that, that alone is so much of a concern um, that adding this on top of it, you know, makes me feel even better about avoiding him in general. It, it's just, it's really hard. I mean, I, I almost don't want, like, even if he's there, like, let's say you get him with a 75th pick, you know, he falls all the way there. I almost like don't want that temptation on my roster. You know, it's like, I'll be, I'll be tempted to start him. And then, you know, you'll lock him into a oh, weekly yeah. lineup and then he'll play one of those games. And it, it's just, I just don't see this unless he gets vaccinated, which seems like a very unlikely scenario at this point, but who knows, unless that happens. I mean, I don't, I don't think, if you're in a daily lineup league, maybe it's a little more palatable. Like you, you're gonna have to be very cognizant of like where he's playing and when he when he's able to play things like that. Um, but if you're in a daily lineup league, like I, I think it makes more sense. If you're in a weekly lineup league, I think you're setting yourself up to be kind of like chasing the dragon the entire season. If you're in a daily lineup league or if you're in a best ball league, they have more viability, right? Just, sure. You know, it's it's not as much of an issue. Um, don't have to put as much thought on whether or not to start him or not. I think, um, you know, there's a way to go about this where, you know, if you, if you're someone who, even if you're someone who's like, I'm not going to draft any of these guys, not worth the risk unless I get them in, you know, like the hundredth pick or something yeah. like ridiculous like that. At the, if you're going to do that, I think you also have to apply that to, um, like thinking that the other, there are clearly going to be other guys on that team who get increased usage. So if you are someone who is worried about Kyrie, then maybe you're, you have to bump up James Harden. You know, if you're like, Oh, you know, James Harden for me is like a, you know, number four pick. It's like, well, if Kyrie's not gonna play half the games, well, Harden's now my number two guy. 
Or if you're the Warriors and you're worrying about Wiggins, it's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe Kaminga or Otto Porter or Bielitsa, I've I've bumped up in my rankings now to some extent. So that that's something to consider as well. Same with, you know, Jonathan Isaac and the Magic, Chumo Kiki, Terrence Ross, um, Franz Wagner. So those guys get a slight bump, obviously. Um, there's just there really is no good option. You know, like I like I said, I think I think if you're in a daily league, I think if you're in a best ball league, you can be a lot more aggressive with those guys than if you're in a weekly league um, where you're going to have to do a lot more math and determining like, well, they have a four game week, but two are at home, that sort of a thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is worth noting that Kyrie and Wiggins are in a different situation than the rest of these guys, than Isaac, than Beal, yes. than Porter, um, because of the local laws. You know, like like Brad Beal could could forego the vaccine, and and I, I think one thing that hasn't been talked enough with Beal, and, and a big part of this is his own fault, the way he's kind of talked about things this week but um he has said like i'm still considering it i very well might get it um and and, like it seems it seems like he's actually considering it more than someone like Kyrie, who seems you know morally opposed to this and you know there are rumors of him liking some sort of like devil cult vaccine stuff on instagram like that that seems like a different level but like those guys potentially being barred from playing home games is a like city legal issue not a not a league problem. So, you know, Beal, Beal could not get it. Porter Jr. could not get it. Isaac could not get it. And they could they could play as many games as they would in a normal season. You know, obviously they're at increased risk in theory of contracting the virus and, you know, potentially missing time uh, yeah. that, that other players wouldn't who have the vaccine. But but guys like Ky- like Kyrie and, and Wiggins, like you, you can, if they if they say that they're not getting it and, and opening night arrives and they still don't have it, like you can start to mark off games that those guys will literally not be allowed to play in. Um, so those are completely different situations. I, I'm surprised um, looking at some of the early ADP data from Fantasy Pros that that has uh, Yahoo and ESPN, and then you know takes the composite. I feel like none of these guys are really being dinged all that much. I mean, Kyrie has an ADP of 22 on Yahoo, 29 on ESPN for a composite of 26 and a half. Uh, Wiggins is at 79. That's right about you know where he would normally go. Jonathan Isaac is at 100. Um, you know, kind of high for a guy who, you know, is, is still dealing with the fallout from some major injuries. Um, you know, it, maybe this is just really early data and some of this is, you know, from before uh, this latest, you know, kind of onslaught of press conferences this week. But I, I'm surprised Kyrie, especially, I would think would be at least 10 to 15 spots lower. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to know what to make of certain ADP data, whether or not it's like, you know, if you don't set your auto draft and Kyrie Irving is like even right. slipped five picks that he's he's basically just going to be the first auto pick that someone ends up making on accident. Um, but yeah, I, I I am a little surprised as well, um, especially for Kyrie um, and, and Wiggins. Um, I yeah, I, I just I, I'm with you. I mm-hmm. in general, I'm avoiding those guys. I was fine with taking Wiggins in the eighth round in, in the Raz jam just because, again, you're in the eighth round. And I guess maybe that's some other people's thinking too. It's like, Hey, it's the eighth round. Like who else am I really getting? 
um, that I wouldn't be able to get in the ninth round. Right. So, yeah. Looking at that ADP, are there any players who stand out to you? I, I wrote something that that's going to go up on our site tomorrow. It was up on Yahoo today, kind of looking at the first round and, you know, who's in consideration at, at which range. And, you know, I essentially concluded that there were like 15 or 16 guys who are going to be in first round contention in the vast majority of leagues. And the first 15 are the top 15 in, in ADP so far. So I, I think that makes sense. And then I, I threw Zion in there as well, because you know there's going to be people that just love Zion and, and want to take him like 11th or 12th overall. Um, but but for the most part, I, I think the ADP looks pretty clean. Um, you know, in order of, of composite, we're talking Jokic, Giannis, Doncic, Curry, Harden as your top five, six through 10, Durant, Lillard, Towns, Embiid, Tatum. Uh, and then you have Beal and LeBron as 11 and 12. I mean, of that group, like the only guy I would say maybe seems a little too high is LeBron. I, I don't know that I would take him at the end of the first round. It's not an egregious pick by any means, but, you know, I mean, he's in his 19th season. He's been he's been hurt in two of the last three years. Russell Westbrook is now on his team. It's a completely different set of teammates. Um, I, I think LeBron and Davis, who I mean, his, his ADP is 14 right now. That's as low as he's been in a very long time. Um, but at the same time, both both of those guys come into the season with significantly more question marks than they normally would. I, I mean, I, if, if we're going pick by pick, honestly, I disagree with like a lot of this average composite. Really? Data. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, I think Giannis is too high at number two. Um, I, I think we should say, I, I believe this is multiple formats, right? Sure. So, yeah, but, you know, if you're in a points league, Giannis and, and Doncic being up there makes a lot more sense. Yes. So I think in a points league, this makes more sense. Um, yeah, but I, I would have Harden and Curry three or two and three in a roto league. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. And then Lillard and Towns. I mean, I think, you know, obviously Giannis's free throws are an issue. Also, I mean, I, I was going to mention this at the top, but we got news today that Giannis is still dealing with like pretty significant pain in that hyperextended left knee from the Eastern conference finals. He did not practice, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, and like he told reporters he could go five on five, but he didn't. And the team has not confirmed that he'll technically be available on opening night. And, um, you know, I think the more I think about it, I'm more concerned about drafting Giannis this year than I was initially just because, you know, of the knee, which clearly is not healed after three months off. And the fact that like the Bucks are coming off a championship, like they did it. They don't, they have no reason to like push Giannis anymore. I'm not saying they don't care anymore or that like they have no reason to try. They're not going to try for it, but it's like, you know, the Bucks can win 50 games playing Giannis 28 minutes a night and resting him on back to backs. Like they're just, a, they're, they're a machine. Um, and so if he's feeling any pain, they're going to be extremely cautious with him just because of the situation. So yeah. um, I, I'm just worried about him in general. And that, that translates to points leagues as well. Um but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, in general, I, I don't tend to worry about Giannis. Like some players, you know, coming off of a title, you would think there's there's maybe a tendency to coast or, you know, just take it a little more easy and, and start focusing exclusively on the playoffs. You know, like we've seen we've seen a lot of players over the years, like once they reach a certain stature in the league, it, it becomes like championship or bust every year. I, I feel like Giannis is, is built a little differently than that. And it's authentic. But but yeah, the knee issues and we hadn't heard anything about this all summer. Part part of it is probably because he spent half the summer in Greece. But yeah, I mean, that's semi-major news for a guy who looked to be completely healthy the last time we saw him. Yeah, that, that definitely concerns me. And I would not draft him number two overall, even in a points league because of that. Um, you know, I also would not draft Durant as high as six. Um, I don't think I'm I'm as much of a believer maybe as you, just in terms of his durability at this point. I think his age and the fact that he, you know, missed a lot of time last season still worries me. Um, and, you know, I do... I understand drafting him B ninth because he could be the MVP this season very easily. Um, if you get 75 games out of him, he could be like the third, second, first best fantasy player. I mean, it's possible, um, but not. It's still it's still really hard for me to take him before like 12 or 13. It's just yeah. you know those guys who are consistently have injury uh, concerns. And you mentioned LeBron. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work with him. Anthony Davis, Westbrook. I'm not a guy who drafts LeBron in the first round. I, and that's just name recognition over actual fantasy value. Like even, even when yeah. he's been like, and when healthy the last three years, like he's been as, as good as ever, you know, it's the 26, seven and seven, one steal, you know, great field goal percentage, but 
I mean, his his free throw percentage is bad enough that like even even when he's had these great seasons into his late 30s, you know, he's still never been. It's been a long time since he's been like an elite elite fantasy player. You know, like when you're shooting 68% from the line, that's just not an option. And if you're in a league with turnovers, obviously like he he commits a ton of turnovers. Um, I just don't think I just don't think the upside I guess is there. Like the best case scenario I feel like for this season is LeBron finishing 12th overall in fantasy, right? So like I would right. I, I don't I don't think I would like I would feel like kind of a reach to draft him there if that's the best case. I, I think there's a scenario in which he either gets hurt again or you know like like he's played with a ton of guys throughout his career, a ton of different stars: Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, Kyrie. You know the list goes on. Anthony Davis, but like Westbrook is a completely different ball game. Like he I don't think he's ever played with another ball dominant guy like this. I mean Dwayne Wade maybe to some degree, Kyrie to some degree. Um, but, but those guys, at least in theory, could shoot the ball. You know, Dwayne Wade was never a great three-point shooter, but he was a great cutter. He was a great mid-range shooter. Like, it's hard for me to imagine Westbrook and, and LeBron playing off of each other. And, and I think ultimately LeBron's going to be fine. Like, if there's anybody who can play with anybody, it is him. But I, I, I also don't think, like, this is the one year out of his career where I wouldn't be comfortable just saying, like, yeah, he's just going to put up the same stats that he has for the last 18 years. Like, I, I think there, there's, there's a chance that, you know, we finally see him, you know, have some statistical regression, even if he looks the same physically. Yeah, I think this is a good, even if this isn't the season that he really takes some sort of like step back from a role perspective, I think we're going to just see LeBron feel it out in terms of what does it look like if I really just kind of coast through games? Like what, what if I let someone else really just do all the heavy lifting and I stand at the top of the key and kind of direct traffic and just make passes to cutters and set the occasional lazy screen into a pick and pop. Like, what can I really get away with? And I'll still win 50, 55 games. I think you'll be trying some of that out this yeah. season. Um, whether or not it ends up sticking is another thing. Um, I just think this gives him a nice opportunity to not dribble the ball as much anymore. Um, yeah. And for a guy who's got as many miles as LeBron, reducing the amount of time you have to dribble and and do those explosive movements and all that, like that's that's really important. So yeah, there's a chance he you, again, like you said, 12 feels like his max. You're probably not getting great value if you draft him there. Right, and I, I think LeBron has been trying to move into this phase of his career for like five years now, and something always goes wrong that forces yeah. him to just have to take over and be the guy. Um, and like, if, if you're a believer and you think this is going to work and the Lakers have a nice roster around him and Westbrook will relieve some of the playmaking, then, then yeah, that's good for the Lakers, but it's probably not good for LeBron's fantasy value at all. So yeah, I, I, I think we're, I think we're on the right track here. I, I don't see him, you know, if you draft him at 12, you're just hoping that's the best case. I, I don't see him rising too much higher than that, partially because of how talented and, you know, diversified the guys above him on that list are, um, one player who stands out, and I, I think we've been on the same page uh, about Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. 15 and a half ADP. I, I feel like we've we've kind of both been expecting him to take a pretty big step back, um, you know, at least relative to the last couple of years, you know, with with all the changes that the Bulls have made. I again, maybe you have to kind of take some of this data with a grain of salt, but that seems way too high. We have him ranked 29th. I think that is pretty appropriate and it could end up being high still. Um, you know, I think he is the guy again, I, Vucevic is just a guy who for a long time, basically his entire career in Orlando has been the best guy in his team. He's been the go-to option on offense. You post him up, you pick and roll, you pick and pop. It's just like run the whole thing through Vucevic. We need you to get 20 and 10 for us to have a chance to win this game. Now he goes on a Bulls team where, you know, uh, he's like the third, it's kind of hard to say, like, is he the third offensive option? Cause Lonzo is Lonzo just really isn't that aggressive on offense, but either way, you just don't need as many post-ups from Vucevic. You just don't need to force feed him the ball anymore for, for baskets. Um, you know, I think there's a chance he has a career year, just field goal percentage wise, three point percentage wise. Um, I think there will be opportunities for him to pass the ball, but you know, I think there are going to be a lot of games where. I think the Bulls can just win a lot of games if he scores 14 points. Um, so I, you know, I just, I think, I think his upside, you know, people are drafting him like he's still in Orlando and the number one option when, when in reality, he's like a second, third, possibly fourth option, depending on how you want to view things um, now in Chicago. And he's a guy too. He's, he's not young anymore. 
he hasn't been especially healthy throughout his entire career. So I think there are just a lot of factors that it could easily drag him down. Mm -hmm. I think on the surface, Russell Westbrook having the 20th highest ADP seems a little high, but I, again, we don't, we don't want to read too much into, um, you know, how much these factor in points versus Roto still probably a little bit high. Um, What what do you think about Julius Randle at 23? Um, I think that's fine. I mean, we have him ranked at 26. And, yep. you know, I, I remember adjusting those rankings myself and feeling like pretty comfortable with what I put like 22, 10 and four or something like that. Um, basically, some regression is in line, but I don't know. He was just such a hub of their offense last season. I think, you know, some some of that's going to be relieved by the presence of Fournier, who can do some secondary ball handling and Kemba is going to be out there doing his thing, although it remains to be seen how many minutes he's going to play how many games he's actually going to be out there. So there are going to be a lot of games where like Kemba's unavailable. And um, I think Randall has just very much established himself as uh, like just a 20 and 10 guy who can pass the ball. And um, even if he's not, I think he still has a high floor because he's just, he's, I mean, we use this phrase a lot. He's just a bucket getter, but he also gets rebounds. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really not too worried about him. I mean, I would I would definitely draft him late second round and, and not feel too like bad about that. I, I would I wouldn't feel bad about it. I wouldn't feel like I, I got like the deal of the century either. Um yeah. I mean he was he I think he was fifth or sixth in total value last year, but he missed one game and played like thirty eight minutes a game. And right. I the minutes could could very well sustain. I mean under Tibbs. That that's that's you know, far from a guarantee to, to come down, but I, I just don't, I mean, six assists per game last year after, you know, basically being like a two and a half, three assists a game guy for his entire career. You know, he jumped 14 percentage points in three point shooting, uh, jumped eight percentage points in free throw shooting. I, I, I definitely don't think he has another level to go up. Like I, I, I would be hard pressed to believe that he could replicate this season. And, and part of that is they brought everybody back. Um, you know, you have a full season of Derrick Rose, you have Kemba Walker, you have Evan Fournier. Like he's still going to be the number one guy, no question about that. I, I think he can approach last year's numbers, but I mean that was that was like an all-time best-case scenario type of yeah. season for him. Hundred percent. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I drafted him in the in the third round of the Raz Jam, and I think that that I actually felt pretty decent about. You know, I went Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Randall with my first three picks, and I just yeah, I, I felt. Great. Yeah, I mean, Butler at second round was borderline because of his injury history. But regardless, um, I think if you can get Randall in the third round, that's ideally where you would like to take him. But I don't know. Sometimes you you look on the board in that second round and you just don't really know what to do because it's kind of that second tier of player. And so much can kind of fluctuate in there. It's like, well, you know, Trey Young, the team is so deep. And uh, do I take Anthony Davis? Well, you know, this and that. And are, is Sabonis going to get the kind of usage you got last year? And it's, you can you can convince yourself of almost anybody in that range. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm always like, I have this like fear in the back of my mind, like, oh, as soon as I make this pick, everybody's going to think it's a reach. And it's like that's never actually <laughs> happened. And I'm, I'm sure I've made some reach picks, but no one no one has ever like shamed me uh, in a draft room. So there are four guards uh, again, according to this Fantasy Pros, uh, Yahoo, ESPN composite ADP, four guards in a row from 28 to 31. Uh, Lamelo Ball, Devin Booker. Shea Gilgis Alexander, De'Aaron Fox. Does that does that seem about right to you? Uh, yeah, I I think I would probably lean towards taking SGA ahead of the rest of that pack. Um, but I'm again, I'm like a one of the biggest SGA supporters. I don't, I've never ran into anybody that has been higher on SGA than me, so. Uh, take that uh, with as, a grain well, of salt. As the recipient of a number of messages over the last couple of weeks about the SGA rookie cards that you purchased, I, I am able to confirm. Only one rookie card, but it, <laughs> it was nice, you know. Uh, it was a cool silver, card. Silver Prism PSA nine for those who know. Um, I, so I, I don't know, man. He's he's really good, just in terms like he's going to be the clear number one option on on OKC. I mean, they have no chance to win games if he doesn't score 25 points a game that whole thing. Like we, we kind of know what's going on with, with SGA. So I don't really have to preach. Um, Booker again, he's someone where it's like, if you think Chris Paul is due for a regression, you have to like Booker more than you did last year. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, if you know the, the real step, if De'Aaron Fox can shoot free throws better, 
and, you know, increases three point shooting a little bit. That's like the next step to him becoming one of those like tier two guards. Cause he's like right on the cusp. He just has to become a better shooter. And then LaMelo, I mean, after what we saw him do as a rookie, it kind of feels like the sky's the limit. I mean, he was 19 last year and, you know, was putting up like consistently, he was putting up 20 points, eight assists. He was getting two steals. Like he's a great off ball guy in terms of generating steals um, and passing lanes. So uh, it's hard to like really feel like you can put a cap on, on LaMelo's upside. So I, th- I think that 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 is a tough group of four to choose from. I understand why people have um, difficulty choosing it, but I, I would, I would prefer SGA over all those guys. Brandon Ingram at 41 seems kind of low to me. I, I, I know we have him higher in our rankings. And, and again, you know, some it, his efficiency and, and his three-point shooting uh, and, and free throw shooting, uh, frankly, is, is you know, a, a huge asset when it comes to his fantasy value. I mean, we have him at 21 in our in our default, you know, eight-cat um, roto ranking. So I, 41? That's low. Way too low. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you consider Zion's injury history and you consider that this team is extremely shallow and that Ingram has a very, he has a proven history already over the past two years of being able to average 25 points, five rebounds and five assists pretty easily um, on good percentages, especially last year. He, I mean, he's one of those guys where, yeah, if you drafted him in the second round, you'd be like, this kind of feels early for Brandon Ingram, but his, his, that's what his stats translate to like that. The numbers, you know, the numbers don't lie that are in front of you. So it's good to know that he goes in the forties so that if you are, if you have an early fourth round draft pick, um, you can probably still get him. Um, like, so you don't have to necessarily reach in the second or third round, but yeah, I think if, if you actually get Brandon Ingram at, in the mid forties, um, I would, I would feel excellent about that. That's a crazy steal. And, and I will say, I mean, maybe these rankings or these ADPs do skew more toward points, because if you look at our default points rankings, he, he falls from, you know, 21 to 40. So right in that range. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if, even if you're getting him, I think in like the low thirties, that could be a steal. Yeah. When you kind of look at the, the difference between our rankings and, and ADP, he's one of the guys that's going like before the, he's like the first guy that's going before the fifth round that we, um, we're higher on than like the general consensus, Yeah. you know, kind of the other guys are like Pascal Siakam, who's going 63rd, um, that, you know, we have like in the late twenties, that kind of assumes he he gets back in really early November, doesn't miss any time, but hey, still. Well, we haven't uh, had 63 games. I, I, I think, you know, 19 absences, I, I think that's doable, but well, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you, I think I think 63 is uh, pretty much a steal for Siakam. Um, you know, Covington's on that list, but he's perennial. Yeah. He's, he's underdrafted every year. You know, There's something you know, about the Rotowire algorithm that just loves Covington. I mean, he's, I, I literally just did a video with Ken. He has never, aside from his rookie season that he like barely played, he's never been outside of the top 75 on a per game basis. Right. And he was like legitimately bad for half of last year. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Always so yeah, if any, if you see, if you have to pick 75 and you see Robert Covington, you know, you can just take him. It's yeah. like, it's just automatic. Yeah. I, he's and I think it was you that was telling me like what there's some format where he's, he's like center eligible. NFBKC. If you're in yeah. an NFBKC draft, he is center eligible. And that's uh, the ones that I have been in. I've been two center leagues. So uh, you can, I would not mind reaching for him at like pick 60 mm-hmm. uh, in that case. Okay. We'll end on this one. Uh, Anthony Edwards is 49 in these, in this ADP and DeMar DeRozan is 50. Like two guys that are at completely different ends of their career. Um, you have Edwards entering year two in Minnesota after a great rookie season, DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know, kind of winding down his prime, change of scenery, coming to Chicago. Um, let, let's say you're on the clock at pick pick 50, and they're both on the board. Where would you lean between Edwards and DeRozan? I would take DeRozan. I, you know, he's a um, coward. I know he's uh he's not the sexiest name, uh, but I think at this point people have uh people. I, I think I think we've kind of people are talking too much about DeRozan not being able to shoot threes. And not talking about the fact that, like, he at this point, I mean, last season was, I think, the best season of his career from a fantasy perspective. Um, he ranked, checking this out, uh, not quite, but he ranked 51st in fantasy last year, 40th the year before. Um, and over the past two seasons, has averaged 
uh, 22 points, six assists and five rebounds on 52% shooting. Um, someone gets to the free throw line a lot. I don't think his role is going to change dramatically in Chicago. Um, and I think he fits really well with Vucevic. Um, and you know, I've come around on Edwards. I will say that I think he has a really bright career ahead of him. What he did in the second half of last season was, was really impressive. Um, I'm just, that's just, you know, picking him over to Rosen. I'm just not really ready to do yeah. that yet. I, I'm with, I'm with you reluctantly. I, I love Edwards. I, I'm he's, he's one of those guys like kind of like Morant last year. Like I'm happy to be one year behind, you know, like it's great if you, if you reach for a guy like that and they, and it pans out and they, they, you know, return 30 spots higher than, than projected. But with Edwards, I feel like there's more that could go wrong with DeRozan. Worst case scenario, what is he finishes like 60th, 65th overall, you know, something like that. Like, it's not going to be a disaster. Yeah. Like there's a chance that, you know, his assists come down quite a bit uh, joining this team. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he doesn't, he's probably not going to get to the line like seven and a half times a game like he has been the last couple of years. Um, so I, I do feel like his ceiling is definitely lower than it has been the last couple of years, but his floor is also super high, you know, especially for a player who doesn't shoot threes. Like, you know, the percentages are going to be there. Um, you know, defensively, he's, he's never been great, but he's usually right around a steal, you know, 1.2 steals per game, which is okay. Uh, rebounds well for his position. Like I, I tend to side with the consistency and the reliability over, you know, like, yeah, Edwards could be great, but there's, there's just, there's just a little too much downside for me with Edwards. Yeah. I mean, since 2014, 15, DeRozan hasn't ranked lower than 75th and that season he averaged 20 points, five rebounds, three and a half mm -hmm. assists. So like if, if you, even if you're assuming that he's kind of back there um, and he was only shooting 41% for the field that year. So right. um, that's not going to happen again. So I think, I think 75th is like the absolute lowest you could expect from, from DeRozan. And I, I would at that point, like, you know, uh, drafting him 50 makes sense. The one thing we haven't mentioned, Anthony Edwards did say on Monday that he's hoping to average two or maybe even three steals per game. So if that happens, then we're going to be on the wrong side of this. I mean, if you had a real, like, you know, grind mentality, he would shoot for like four or five steals per game, but yeah, right. I was like two or three is like too attainable. If you're going to say something like that, why not? Why not like go for the NBA record, which I don't even know what that is, by the way. I'll have to look that up at some point. It's got to be like high twos, right? So I was I looking, didn't, I, don't know. I was doing some recon for, for an article I was reading or uh, writing recently and ended up on uh, former Bulls guard and Wizards guard Michael Jordan's basketball reference uh -huh. page. Yes. 3.2 steals per game in 1987 to 88. Like, I mean, not, not, not that this is news to anybody, like, hey, Michael Jordan was good at basketball, but 35 points per game, six assists, yeah. five and a half rebounds, 3.2 steals, 1.6 blocks. Yeah, the people who don't know about, like, oh, man, that those two seasons he had that I'm, I'm looking at now, but, like, from eight, the 86, 87 to 87, 88 seasons, yeah. he played all 82 games and, yeah, averaged 36 40 points a, a game. game. Yeah, 40 minutes a game, 36 points a game, averaged 4.6 combined steals and blocks, 50% uh, from the field. Like, it's just... I, I don't know, man. Yeah. And he made, he made 19 total three pointers in that span. And this was, this was by the way, an era where they played way slower. Yeah. Like if you, if you, you know, do his per possession numbers, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The pace on that bulls team that year, um, 95.8, they were the slowest team in the league. Unbelievable. Yeah. You got Michael Jordan. You're, you're, you gotta slow it down. If, he's, if yeah. there's one takeaway from this pod, Michael Jordan was extremely good at basketball. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.